Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And as we mentioned in the first segment, we have two excellent guests who can give us some insight into this matchup and they're Rob Brown and Lonzo Reitzel from the Views from Mint Street podcast and the Fan Upstate up in Greensville. No, up in Greenville. Is it South Carolina or North Carolina? It is South Carolina. Okay. Up We're in getting Greenville, through this one at a time, baby. We got this. Up in Greenville, South Carolina. And I screwed that up despite having lived in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for four <laughs> years. I worked and lived in Myrtle Beach before I moved down here, and I still couldn't tell you whether Greenville is in South Carolina or North Carolina. Either way, we're going to get into this. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Doing real good. It's uh, not The football team's not. 0-2, not a great start. But, hey, divisional play starts another day for the Panthers, and it doesn't matter that we haven't won a home game in over a calendar year. The last one that we won was against the Saints. So, fingers crossed in the Carolinas, I guess. So it's funny you bring that up because I had a note, which is very it's it kind of bridges off that. So the Panthers last home game that they won was against the Saints. The Saints last home game that they won was against the Panthers last year. It wasn't quite as long ago, so it's not as negative of a note. But the Saints also have lost five of six games at home. So these are two teams who it kind of feels like the home team is at a disadvantage, which is weird. But it's just the reality for these two teams right now. You know, we, we'd have to say it, it, someone has to win, but we've already seen a tie this early in the season. So I guess someone doesn't have to win. Speaking of winning, one of the one of the things that I thought was funny this week, so the Panthers lost to the Giants. And so anytime you have Baker Mayfield going up against Daniel Jones, you have to come back to the quote, I cannot believe the Giants took Daniel Jones. It blows my mind. Some people overthink it. That's where people go wrong. They forget you've got to win. <laughs> And I just can't help but remind Baker Mayfield that he probably shouldn't troll people at the, that early in his career. I, I don't know. That's just my my take. You know, I, I, here's the thing, and and it's not like we've had any shortage of time that we've talked about Baker Mayfield over the last two and a half months since he showed up in Charlotte. I think people really kind of slip on what Baker accomplished in Cleveland, right? I mean, a guy that shows up to a football team that won a game the year before he got there, and within a couple of years, he's turned them into a playoff team. Now, you know, we, we've got another guy that we talked to on our show here in Greenville who loves to point out that at the time that that happened, Baker was playing with arguably the best wide receiver core in the National Football League, was playing behind statistically the best offensive line in football, and all that's good and great, but a part of assembling that type 
of talent around a guy is having a guy that people want to play around. Baker has done it before. Baker's already been in that spot. The fact is, the Panthers were expected to be a ballpark six to seven win football team. Whether Sam Darnold or Baker was in there, it is going to take time for growth. Both of the two games that we've lost so far against Cleveland and New York, both winnable games and both games that, frankly, we likely should have won. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know what the Saints are going to be this year. I, I'm not sure people know what the Saints are as of right now. This is a winnable game for Carolina mm -hmm. as well. And I'm going to tell you it's a must win because the next three games, I am convinced if Matt Rule goes 0 for 3, starting with New Orleans, He's done. He's out. It'll be a midseason firing if he goes 0 for 3, certainly 0 for 5 in the next 5, which is a real possibility there. So just to clarify, when you say must win, you mean must win for Matt Rule to keep his job. To keep his job. Exactly okay. right. I, I think, and Lonzo and I have gone back and forth on this a number of times, and we kind of fell preseason on this is Matt Rule's final year, right? Like the, the premise was he was brought in because he's a guy that runs three-year turnarounds. Well, this is year three. So we both kind of played on the idea that this is his last year to turn the team around, and then next year he has to show the results. But based on what we've seen through two weeks, I don't know if that's going to hold up anymore. Uh, those two losses were brutal at the beginning of the year. So this Saints game, I think, is the most high-pressure game for Matt Rule during his tenure in uh, in Carolina. I do think this is an interesting matchup. One, because it's the Saints and the, and the Panthers, obviously, and we saw what happened in week two of last year, and that pass rush just ate the Saints offensive line alive, and I'm interested to see how they handled that with another chance. They seem to handle it better in week, I think it was 16 of last year than they did in week two. Um, but also because you're talking about two teams who I would argue are not settled at quarterback in any way. I mean, the Panthers have had a different starting quarterback, what, for four straight seasons now? Yep. And they're in similar situations, right? These are former number one overall picks that had the team that drafted them quit on them and move on to somebody else. Yeah, move, move on to greener pastures, bring in a quarterback they like better. With the Bucks, it was Tom Brady. With the Browns, it was Deshaun Watson, who sells and played a snap. And I think these, this is like a very much a kind of a prove it game for both of these guys, because we saw Jameis go out there and get kind of hammered against the Bucks through those three interceptions in the fourth quarter. And I mean, if you're I, the Panthers could have won those first two games, but, you know, it's really tough to, to be confident in a guy going out and losing to the Giants, who might be the worst 2-0 team in NFL history. I mean, they they barely they squeaked out a win against the Titans because the least the kicker I have the least confidence in in the world. Who who's the Titans kicker? Um, well, Randy so, Bullock. Yes, Randy Bullock, who is like the least the the least confidence inspiring kicker you have in the NFL. Like he went out there for a forty five yard field goal, and I was like, oh, that's a miss, and he missed. Uh, and so like that's a team that should be zero and two, and instead they are two and zero. Like the Panthers fumbled on their first two possessions of that game, and it had nothing to do with Baker Mayfield. So. I think that, you know, one way or another, you're going to come out of this game with some confidence in the starting quarterback, and it's just a question of who it is. I think I think the other thing is you talked about the defense. The defense for Carolina, they kind of found themselves for all of, like, two series last week. So I, I'm interested to see what they do. I mean, they shut down Saquon Barkley after giving up a ton of yards the week before to uh, to that Cleveland rushing attack. So it's going to be interesting to see how the defense plays, which defense is going to play better. The Saints defense, it, it is strange because you look and you see how they did against the Falcons, which is a team that 
should not be surprising anyone on offense. And they kind of got bullied a little bit. They have one sack through two games. Part of that is because Tom Brady, you know, gets the ball out faster than you can blink. You know, like he'd rather punt than take a sack in a game at 45 years old. So, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. But this is a pass rush that was supposed to be a strength of this team and just has not been able to do anything thus far. And I am curious, so in your first two weeks watching Baker and that offensive line, how has it looked? I think he has six sacks through through two games. Yeah. The 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 offensive line is a work in progress. And I think that's that's the best way to put it, right? We've got Ike Kwanwu over at the left tackle. That's a rookie. Uh, you're not only putting a rookie on the OL, but you're putting him at the most important position on the on the OL on Baker's blind side. Uh, he did not have a terrible week last week, but the few mistakes he made were very costly late in the game. Uh, he let love come through and and he just hammered Baker Mayfield in in a big time situation towards the end where, you know, any yard could result in a in a field goal that maybe ties that game up. Uh, Brady Christensen has moved where he played left tackle last year inside the left guard. He's learning a new position. Taylor Moton over on the right side has been exceptionally good. Uh, Pat Alfline at center has been interesting because we thought Bradley Bozeman had taken that job away from him before the year started, but Elfline has started both games and he's actually played relatively well with the exception of a few drop snaps back in week one in the elegance Cleveland. But I do have to remind people that Baker Mayfield had basically a week and a half in Charlotte before training camp started. So he didn't really get full familiarity with the offense and, and time to build that chemistry. And because of the, quarterback competition which there definitely never actually was one but because of the competition baker didn't really get significant pt in any of those preseason games and so the chemistry between him and elfline didn't really build the way you'd like it to between a qb and a center uh and some of that led i think to a little anxiety on the part of baker mayfield which has led baker mayfield to feel pressure that's not really there, right? Like we remember a couple of years ago when Sam Darnold was in New York and he complained about seeing ghosts out on the field. Yeah. I think Baker's got a little bit of that, but it's on the pass rush. And, you know, I think Baker has been diving out of the pocket a few times. It's not a, a, a chronic issue, but there's been a few times where Baker has dived out of the pocket to avoid a pass rush that hasn't really developed yet because he's a bit uh, trigger shy Behind that offensive line, he ends up running to the outside. Well, because the defensive ends have not gotten up the field for contain, he's basically running out to where the defensive ends are being held by his tackles, Moton and, and, and Aquanu on both sides. I think he's got to calm down a little bit. The bad news is that the Saints have what should be one of the better pass rushes in the National Football League. Now, the good news is that statistically, you guys haven't shown that yet. You guys haven't put the pass rush to the screws of Mariota or Brady yet. And so if that trend continues the same way against Carolina this weekend, Baker should have time to sit back and make some better reads and some better throws. He hasn't been as bad as a lot of Panthers fans are making him out to be, but he's got to calm down in the pocket just a little bit. And if we have the success keeping Cam Jordan and, and your guys out of the backfield that, Tampa Bay did last week with a backup offensive line that should allow Brady to stand in the pocket the next second, second and a half that he hasn't been and deliver a more accurate football. Yeah. I mean, so the stats that, that stick out to me, you know, 
53.6% completion percentage through two weeks. Baker coming out of college was this hyper-accurate quarterback. That was kind of his claim to fame. 30 for 56, 380 yards, two touchdowns, one interception so far. And I would argue those, those that yardage is a little skewed because they had that 75-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson in week one, like late in the game, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, you know, that's a quarter of the yardage. But so I guess, but my question for Baker, and I think the issue for Baker has always been, it's it's less about, you know, what he can do as a quarterback and more about whether he can fit in a locker room. I, I think that his issues in Cleveland went far deeper than than wins and losses, right? He basically ran Odell Beckham Jr. out of town. Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad was like subtweeting him, right? Like that's that's just a strange scenario to be in. And I am curious, so how has that gone over the first few weeks of the season? Is it because, I mean, Sam Darnold was in there. He never really seemed to be like entrenched. Teddy Bridgewater was in there. He never seemed to be entrenched. I was Who was it before that? Ky- not Kyle Trask. Um, Kyle Allen? Is that right? Kyle Allen. Yes. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Allen and Cam, obviously. Cam was there for a long time. And so I just like, is he the guy that you think is going to be a long-term starter for the Panthers? Because it's just, it's crazy to me that they have, They've cycled through all of these names, and you just have not been able to latch onto one. Well, the thing is, as far as Baker goes, he he gets a bad. I'm from Ohio, so I I I got some friends there that are that are big time Cleveland Browns fans, and they when when Baker just got to go to Carolina, I got several emails saying, "Good for you, you're getting a good quarterback." So so the fans don't think what some of the media seems to think about. Uh, Baker Mayfield and all we've seen since he's been to Carolina in camp and you know so far has been nothing but everybody loves the guy they're joking and pranking during practice all that kind of stuff so you don't hear anything and I I think a lot of that uh, with the OBJ thing is the locker room had to decide which side they wanted to be on and Mm -hmm. the ones who chose OBJ are the loudest ones so I'll, I'll piggyback onto that for just a second if you don't mind to say this One of the problems that you have in Carolina that I don't know you would have if you had a more established head coach is a locker room that that basically already has a central figure, right? I mean, if if, if you talk about – uh, hey, go back to your team, right? Like, like it wouldn't have mattered if Drew Brees was a vet or not. Even after Brees left, when Sean Payton was there, and you guys brought in Teddy Bridgewater when Brees got hurt that year, the same guy that we're talking about, when Teddy B took over for Drew Brees for those games where, where Brees was injured a couple of years back and Sean Payton was there, there was no seam, right? There was no gap. I mean, it just felt like the Saints offense, just like, okay, not as talented as Drew, but that's our guy, that's our leader. And I think that comes from having a, a, a head coach that has fortified that locker room already. And Matt Rule's not that guy. And while I will say that the players have been less, let's say, boisterous about their displeasure with Matt Rule as the head coach this year, at the end of the day, you don't have a locker room that's got half the guys in the last year going, well, you know, we need to talk about coaching. And now suddenly just everybody's okay there's very clearly, in my opinion, there's very clearly some level of discontent there. And it's like, how do you walk in if you're Baker Mayfield or anybody else? How do you walk into a locker room that has a divide in it and go, I am the great uniter when you're the newest guy, right? Like you just got there. If Baker had been in Carolina for two or three years, maybe you'd have more guys that have bought in. But Baker was already a contentious guy, like it or not, and I don't. I agree with Lonzo. I think it's a worse rap 
from the media than from fans in a lot of cases. But how does a guy like Baker, who's already contentious, walk in and be the great uniter when there's very clearly a divide in the locker room already? It's a big, big ask. And the only way to overcome that is to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback that is worth three or four wins just by rolling out on the field like Breeze was, like Brady is, like Aaron Rodgers, et cetera. And while Baker Mayfield is very good, he ain't that yet. So, you know, I, I, I think there's I think there are some deeper issues that come to light is part of the reason that I think that Matt rules hot seat is hotter right now than it has been during his entire tenure. That being said, you still expect more out of Baker. Don't create pressure in your head. Don't create problems that don't exist because it makes the existing problems that much worse. Again, we're talking to Rob Brown and Lonzo Reitzel from the views from mint street podcast, another odyssey podcast. Make sure to check it out. If you're in into that in-depth Panthers coverage, and, uh, you know, one of the guys who I think a lot of Saints fans are going to be interested in, he popped up on the injury report today with an ankle issue, which probably gives a lot of Panthers fans nightmares anytime they hear this guy's name and ankle, but it's Christian McCaffrey. And I am curious, is this after two years of injuries? And we saw the almost identical thing with Michael Thomas in terms of who are you getting back, right? I think Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey have a lot in common in terms of, you know, he's a guy who only played 10 games the last two seasons after being this just dynamic all-world running back. Michael Thomas, obviously a wide receiver, but, you know, 149 catches in 2019. Is the Christian McCaffrey you're seeing this year the same Christian McCaffrey you remember? Because I feel like for running backs, it goes quick. And you often don't even realize it until you're already you know, on the backside of someone's career. I think Todd Gurley is a good example. And now, how are you seeing him kind of deal with that this year? All right, I'm going to jump in here first because Rob's going to disagree with me because we always <laughs> disagree about this. He's not some fragile porcelain doll. The reason why he's not touching the ball as much this year, the reason why you can't tell what you got is because they're not giving him the ball enough. I think he needs to get the ball at least 10 more times, five more carries, five more passes. Rob disagrees with me. And, and he says he's healthy. He's back. Play him. He's a football player. That's what you do. If he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. You cannot protect him the entire season. If you ask him, he I'm sure he'll say he wants the ball every single time. Yeah, yes, I am going to uh, disagree with Lonzo. And, and, and he'll be wrong. So McCaffrey is playing three out of every 10 games over the past two seasons. McCaffrey's also a guy that if he's in, you win, and if he's not, you lose. Although there mm -hmm. was an interesting stat that Matt Rule in games where the bad guys score more than 17 points is 1-17. Mm -hmm. Not a great look, but we need McCaffrey in order to be good. Here's here's what I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're talking Panther Saints here because the example that I use is a Saints program from a few years back. McCaffrey's a guy I've said, I want 20 to 22 touches a, a, a game at absolute maximum, because while he's not a porcelain doll, he's pretty close. And, and, and the number of games played suggests that. You need McCaffrey to win football games. Here's what you don't have to have. You don't have to have 30 touches. He can be used in another way. Uh, Jeff, go back to when the Saints had Reggie Bush mm -hmm. under Sean Payton back in the 06 era, 09 era. If you think about what Reggie Bush is a football player, uh, was as a running back specifically at that point in time, 
Reggie Bush was a home run threat every time he touched the ball, right? We all agree on that. But you'll notice Reggie Bush did not get the ball all that often in plays designed for Reggie Bush. What was Reggie Bush also used for? As a decoy, right? Because if I send Bush out on a wheel route or a flat route or fake the end around to Reggie Bush, you've got to commit your best defender to him. You have to. Because the moment that I see, and Sean Payton would see, that you weren't committing your best defender to Reggie Bush, Reggie was getting the ball, and he was going to turn somebody uh, into burnt toast. That's just what he was. So just by having him on the field and having him run through as if he was going to get the ball, you only had to give it to him one out of 10, two out of 10 times, and he was still an effective part of the offense as a weapon, even though he wasn't touching the ball. That's what, in my opinion, Matt Rule and and McAdoo need to be doing with McCaffrey. Yeah, I want him on the field for 100% of the offensive snaps, but he should be getting it about 15 to 20% of those snaps. On the other 80% of the snaps, 75% of the snaps tops, I need him being used as a decoy. I need him going off the edge, pull that linebacker core and extend them vertically, or excuse me, horizontally, so that Robbie and DJ can expand horizontally. I need him faking the ends around so that the defensive ends have to maintain contain at the end of the line and can't just bull rush the tackles to get to Baker. Send him out on seam routes that you're not going to throw the ball to him, but make sure that that single high cover safety has to stay committed to the middle of the field, which lets Anderson and Moore get up the sideline. There's so many things you can do with Christian McCaffrey without giving him the football and risking further injury because here is the reality that Lonzo and a lot of other Panthers fans either don't uh, care or, or don't get is that when you lose him to an injury, the offense is down, is done, right? Like, we can all talk about next men mentality all we want, but there is a reason that you are the next man instead of the man. And in this case, it's because Christian McCaffrey is the man this offense clicks around. If you lose that guy, the season and any hope of becoming the first 0-2 team to make the 14-team expanded playoffs is DOA at that moment. So what are we getting out of the guy? Uh, I mean, look, he had 102 yards last week. He's back to form. But what I'm afraid of is Matt Rule's going to look at that 102 and go, okay, let's go ahead and give him the ball 35 times, and McCaffrey's going to get racked. The injury injury report today, McCaffrey's playing Sunday. It's effectively a rest day without going full Tom Brady and just going, oh, he was just sleepy. Let him stay in bed a few extra minutes. It's a rest day for a 26-year-old running back with injury problems. That's what it is. He will be on the field on Sunday. Uh, I do hope selfishly that Alvin Kamara is back this weekend because McCaffrey v. Kamara might be the best running back on running back battle that we get this year. I just don't want to see McCaffrey getting the ball 30 times in a game especially against the D-line that you guys have have been questionable against the past. No doubt, you guys stuffed Leonard Fournette last week. I mean, stuffed Leonard Fournette. That front four has been a good run defense this year. I don't want to be running McCaffrey into the chief of a, of a wood chipper all week because we might lose him for the season if we try that. I tend to agree with what, what you're saying there, and it's really not even Christian McCaffrey dependent. It's You're talking about a running back who is a threat in the passing game and is an elite kind of game-breaking player. This is not Derrick Henry. This is a guy who you need to be efficient with. It's not about volume, it's about efficiency. 
when it comes to running backs. And, you know, we get, there's a lot of comparisons to make with this with the Panthers and the Saints in terms of, you know, Alvin Kamara is a similar guy. You can't afford to plow between the tackles with him 20 times a game and expect him to be there at the end of the season, you know? But I, I think that's, that's where we can wrap up that segment. I want to get into some X factors with y'all because I think that there are a lot of unknowns, at least from the Saints fan perspective, about this Carolina team. So let's get into that when we come back on Inside Black and Gold. 